on the hour. So I'm going to go ahead and get us started and welcome all of our attendees to today's live Coach Roundtable webinar discussion. Really excited to have a wonderful panel of coaches for you. We'll, we'll give everyone um, just another minute or so if you're joining the line. And our um, webinar host, Ryan, who is also joining me, will chime in with any additional logistics before we dive into our discussion. All right. Ryan, do you have anything before I jump in? No, I would just, you know, thank everybody for joining. And if you do have any questions, whether it's logistical or tech or something that you want to ask us and the coaches, uh, please use the Q&A feature and we'll get those addressed. Great. Thank you. All right. So hopefully you are at the right webinar discussion. Today we're going to be talking about effectively engaging students this fall. This is obviously an important topic for anyone interested in student success. And it's uh, timely with students having just recently or currently going back to school. And they know this is a topic on our minds here at Insight Track. We wanted to share some of the examples and insights from our work, in many cases, coaching students even through the summer to make sure they're ready for a strong start and understanding their concerns and some of those initial obstacles they might encounter, as well as helping them cultivate a sense of belonging and growth mindset and tapping into the resources that their institution provides. So those are some of the themes that we have uh, decided to organize today's discussion around. And we selected a group of coaches who are going to share some amazing student stories, some anecdotes and coaching strategies, as well as insights and techniques that an institution might be able to implement as well. And finally, the role of technology and analytics and all of that to have more meaningful human interactions at scale with the right students. So hopefully that is uh, what you came here to hear about. I'm gonna dive in and do some introductions before we get into some more Q&A and learn more about the students. Let me introduce myself first. If you've been to some of our webinars in the past, I'm probably a familiar face. I started here as a coach a while ago and I now have the privilege and honor of having discussions about thought leadership in higher education and sharing some of the amazing work our coaches and students are doing. It's, it's really a privilege to see students working towards their goals. And also joining me on the line is our webinar host, Ryan, who uh, can introduce himself, but he also came from a coaching background and is now helping me with uh, technical thing. <laughs> That's right. I started as a, as a coach uh, almost seven years ago and I coached for about four years and was able to to really make an impact there as, as a first generation student myself. It meant a lot to, to be in a position to help students and to navigate college and really kind of achieve some dreams. And now I'm, I'm on the other side of, of the marketing fence and I'm working to share these amazing coach and student stories. So I'm really, really happy to be here. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for your help. And again, yeah. if you have questions or if you have technical issues, uh, Ryan will be helping me field some of that. And we'll also be monitoring the chats for any questions from you that we might want to pose to any of our panelists throughout. But we are going to save time at the end for Q&A. Um, so if you chat a question and we don't get to it right away, uh, rest assured we will, we will come back to it. So uh, Ryan, and just so you know, Feel free to chime in. If you have a great student story, we like to improvise. Um, we even have some improvisers in our panel today who might talk about that experience. Um, but this will be really a, a very um, authentic, unscripted conversation about how to support students in transitioning. So we'll, I'll introduce you to the rest of the panel. We'll talk about some specific student case studies and they'll kind of bring to life some student stories to help you understand uh, what they're talking about. And then we'll transition to talking more about the role of technology, behavioral science, analytics, um, things that bring that type of impact to scale. And then, like I mentioned, open Q&A. So be thinking about what you would like to know from today's panel. So let's meet them. First, we're gonna have Haley Kimball, if you can go ahead and unmute yourself. And Haley, introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, yes, my name's Haley Kimball. I've been at Inside Track for eight years and I've coached um, kind of all over the place. I've coached traditional age students, adult students, students on probation, community college, um, and I'm currently working with high school students and community colleges as they transition. And my personal passion in work and outside of work is just working with students, especially younger students, to understand and appreciate what opportunities they do have post high school 
and to actually understand how to get there. So I do a lot of volunteering with high school students as well as making that my day job. Thanks, Haley. Actually, Haley, side note, Haley helped introduce me to one of the organizations she mentioned, uh, mentoring local first-generation low-income high school students. And um, Haley, I'll have to catch you for coffee after the webinar because I reconnected with my student and helped her get an internship. So it's really exciting to, to do that work in and out of the office. So next we've got Micah Wheeler, if you can unmute yourself, and Micah is uh, down in our Nashville office. Haley and a few others and, and myself are here in our Portland office, so we have a few locations throughout the country. Micah, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. Hi, my name is Micah Wheeler. Uh, I've been a coach at Inside Track for a little over three years, and uh, in that time worked with over 10 institutions around the country. And my special expertise within the company is really in leveraging techs to impact students. And I, I've learned a lot, uh, worked with, I mean, really uh, almost every student population out there. I uh, learned a lot also from my time uh, volunteering as a crisis counselor with an organization called Crisis Text Line that provides uh, free crisis counseling uh, exclusively over text to uh, people in crisis all over the country. And, you know, Today we're going to talk a lot about the intersection between technology and coaching, but you know I, I think this is true of everybody. Um, I, while I can get super nerdy and excited about the technology side of things, what I'm really passionate about is uh, just seeing people becoming uh, the best version of themselves and, and really supporting them in, in becoming that. Thanks, Micah. I always get so inspired talking to a panel of coaches. <laughs> uh, and finally, we have Jesse Stone, who's also joining me here in Portland, Oregon. Jesse, would you like to say hello? Yeah, of course. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm Jesse Stone. I've been at Inside Track for about four and a half years. And prior to this, I was a high school history teacher in Hawaii. Um, and, you know, that was great too, of course. <laughs> but what I love and why I transitioned into this role is because I, I really it, I, I really am passionate about working with students in a one-on-one -on -one capacity and seeing the growth that they experience um, when you have like really targeted conversations um, specific to them. So uh, before that, you know, I have degrees in anthropology, leadership studies, and, and secondary education, and it's all kind of combined into this really cool work that we do. Thanks, Jesse. Um, and Jesse, Jesse's also, uh, I'll, uh, she's one of several coaches that we have here that has some improv experience and has brought some exercises to, uh, to some of our training. And we also are both anthropology majors. Yeah. Uh, little known fact. Um, and I, <laughs> I call that out uh, because it's, it's worth mentioning because you'll, you, might, you might notice that none of us have, um, you know, there's no particular degree or educational experience that's necessary for high-impact coaching, um, but what we share in common is, you know, that passion for unlocking student potential. So thank you, Jesse, for joining our panel, and I, I might actually just keep going with you, and I asked all of our panelists today, um, oh, I, mi I missed one. I'm sorry. That's not, <laughs> I, I forgot about Dan. I'm so sorry, Dan. I didn't see your, your picture there. Um, I'll make it up to you. I'll buy you coffee afterwards. But Dan, if you would like to unmute yourself and introduce yourself to our audience today. <laughs> That's okay. No worries, Kat. Um, my name is Dan Weber. I've uh, been with Inside Track for four years. Um, prior to this, like Jesse, I was a high school history teacher and also coached baseball. Um, and uh, here at Inside Track, I've worked with um, adult populations. Uh, going to back to school and I've worked with traditional age students. That's where I'm working right now. Um, and I think with my background in athletics, really my expertise, I guess, so to speak, would be more around, um, you know, motivation and building belief and uh, call to action. I think a lot of times with students, it's really just about, you know, making, not only setting a plan, setting a goal, but, you know, following through on it and making that happen. So I think that's kind of my sweet spot, so to speak. Thanks, Dan. I, I feel so bad. I feel like such a jerk, but <laughs> that's okay. We'll, we'll roll with it. Um, so we're, we're not going to jump into questions just yet. I'm going to actually stop sharing my screen.
so that our audience can see our panelists and get a better view of who's actually talking. And we'll just, we're not gonna do death by PowerPoint here. We just wanna have meaty discussions. Um, and so I, I mentioned I had all the panelists think about some student stories that kind of illustrate um, common scenarios or challenges that students encounter as they're transitioning and some of the coaching techniques or strategies that they might employ to help students through those. So um, I'm gonna jump back to Jesse. Dan, we'll come back to you, don't worry. <laughs> I can see you now, so I won't forget. Um, and Jesse, do you wanna kick us off? You've, you've got so many great student stories that kind of uh, sometimes bring a tear to my eye or you know make me feel really excited. So what do you have for us today? Yeah, so I was thinking about it and um, one, one student stood out to me from the summertime. I'm gonna call him Jared, um, just, you know, for the sake of privacy, but uh, it was over the summer I was working with a large public institution and we, we were part of this partnership where we were driving high achieving students of color um, to commit to coming to this university. So what it was called is it was called yield coaching and it was kind of a hybrid helping students maneuver and navigate the onboarding process and then also coaching a little bit as they started school so that they felt really comfortable and actually cemented the, themselves and their identity as being students there. So Jared, in this case, uh, he, he was a first-generation college student. Uh, he had several, I, I can't say they're small, but there was a lot of minutia that he was getting wrapped up in, in terms of um, a flag on his FAFSA, like there was something he needed to correct there. Uh, oh, and he, he couldn't come up with the deposit funds, um, and that was $200 as well. So there were things like that that we're adding up and as we started coaching first we actually started coaching via text um, and just navigating some of those more administrative things and as i earned a little bit more of his trust and got him on the phone right he's kind of you know a pretty typical 18 year old kid you know wasn't thrilled at that thought of, of maybe working on the phone um but i soon realized is that all of that minutia was really eating up his cognitive ability to commit to, to coming and, and his resilience in actually working through those challenges because as you all know, you know, people who are in this audience are part of this, this higher education scene and anything that can detract them, even if it's a small FAFSA thing, they need to turn in more paperwork is like, it, it's kind of at the end of the world to them sometimes. Um, and rightfully because it feel it's, you know, there's no user's manual on how to do this stuff. So, um, so I started working with him in making really, really specific plans. Like we talked about the different areas of his life that were impacting his ability to do these things. And then at first we'd make really specific plans as simple as, okay, your next step today is to email the person, blah, 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 right? And then as we kept going, what I uncovered is that it wasn't just about the paperwork, of course, as it never really is, you know, it was about his belief in his ability to come to school. And even though he came in with a high GPA and was an otherwise like good on paper student, he had this feeling like if he didn't know what he wanted to do for the rest of his life, well then, you know, hands up in the air, he can't come to college, right? Because he felt like it was a waste of time and all those things that I'm sure again, you guys have heard of. So, so that's where we landed. And there was a pivot point. Um, I was just listening to it this morning, um, just to jog my memory. I, I even labeled it as tough love, you know? <laughs> um, and we had a, an 11 minute conversation where I just laid it down for him. And I said, look, man, I'm not here to tell you what to do, um, but here's what I'm seeing in your pattern. Here's where I see you could go and you have a real decision to make now. Um, what are you gonna do, you know? And, and he followed through and he made it happen. Um, I worked really closely with the institution uh, to make sure that they were on board. We were really embedded and they, we worked so well together and they ended up waiving his deposit fee. Um, the FAFSA person got, uh, the financial aid person got in touch with him to make sure his paperwork was good to go. So on that logistical side, it was a green light. And then again, as, as Jared and I kept working together, <laughs> uh, we, we had final conversations that really cemented his belief, what motivated him, what demotivated him, and now as a success story, I mean, he's, he's there. I mean, he's killing it. And it's funny looking back that he's surprised he ever wa wavered so much, um, but he's, you know, he's having a wonderful experience um, that I truly believe he wouldn't have had um, had he not just had a space to reflect on his own patterns, why he wanted to do what he wanted to do, um, and a certain amount of letting go of the fact that he didn't know his future career, but that this was a means to an end and this is where you can 
find that out, you know. Wow. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, I, I think that also illustrates the power of expectation. And in that, you know, we, we there's some recent research that came out about how, you know, students will uh, rise or fall to whatever expectations are, are set for them, especially in a classroom setting. And um, I think that's just really powerful that when he was wavering, you held that vision for him. You gave him that tough love, but you had earned the right to do it. Um, yeah, and I'm just really excited that you were you were there in that right moment um, to do that for him. That's really cool, and I'm excited to see what Jared, what your student does in the future. Um, so let's let's jump to Dan. <laughs> and I, as I recall, you you had a student who um, like you didn't you didn't get to talk to them in the first semester. So what do you do when you miss that window? <laughs> I think everyone on the line uh, in our audience can probably relate to that. So I, I thought we'd go from the, you know, uh, Jesse's story working through the summer and, and during the initial transition to, you know, what if you miss that opportunity? Yeah, uh, my student example um, is very much what, what Kat was just saying. It was a student that, um, it's a large urban state university and uh, I work with freshmen. So it's really in that critical transition phase. and. This particular student that, uh, that I'm thinking of, we'll call him Mike for today, um, he was completely out of touch the entire first semester. Um, didn't have any contact with him at all, over the phone, text, email, nothing. Um, so the whole first semester went by and he was really having some difficulty with that transition and we just, he wasn't reaching out, he wasn't responding. Um, and at the end of that first semester, his grades were down. He wasn't, he wasn't doing well socially. He wasn't doing well emotionally. And in January, he was just about to call it quits. He, he survived the first semester, and he was just about to, to walk out the door, and that was going to be it. Um, and he reached out to me, and he sent me an email and just said, I'm having a tough time. I'm halfway through the school year. And he just laid it all out, said, here's what's going on. And uh, he said, I'm, I don't know if I can keep going, but I thought I'd reach out to you first and, and at least talk to somebody. Um, so I got him on the phone and we, we started talking about what was, what was going on and we really kind of got down to the core of it. And I asked him, I was curious, I said, okay, what was it, like, why did you reach out to me? Like, what, what brought that on? And he said that throughout the whole time that he was struggling, um, I kept reaching out to him. I was sending him information through emails, you know, nudging him towards things that were coming up, events on campus, registration, FAFSA, stuff like that. And also just, how are you doing? What's going on? Even though he wasn't responding, I just kept going. And uh, so when he finally responded back to me, he said, you didn't give up, like you kept reaching out. And through the rest of that spring semester, we met once a week and we talked, we broke things down, one step at a time and we got a plan together to get back on track academically and connect with professors and connect with tutoring on campus and um, all the different academic support resources that exist and you know he was struggling socially and so we talked about you know building up some confidence and building up some belief and being able to not go meet the whole campus at once but maybe start with one person and then another person and then build from there um, and he was having some emotional difficulty too with the whole transition, it really, it really affected him. So through coaching, we were able to get him connected with some of the uh, support resources on campus for, you know, counseling and dealing with things like that. So it really led to kind of unraveling everything that had been kind of building up and just creating all of that tension in him through the entire first semester. And through the spring, we were able to kind of peel that back and get him to a place where he could go forward. And, um, and I think for him, the, the trouble with the transition point was all of those resources, like all of those people were there on campus for him. Um, it was coming from an environment in high school where everything was very micromanaged and like you were directed where to go and you were told where to go and somebody would come to you. And then in college, he really struggled with having to do that on his own. Um, and through coaching, we were able to kind of navigate through that and make it easier. Um, that was a couple of years ago that I worked with that student and I looked him up right before this just to to see, you know, how things were going now and, and where he was at. And he is, uh, he's going strong. He's still in school and, and uh, grades are up and he's, he's doing well. So 
it's a, it's a good example of uh, that transition not always being like a, a perfect pattern. Sometimes it goes off course a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Dan. That, I, I love I love those stories of the you call them, you know, an MIA student and they they surprise us so, so many times. Um, and it would have been so easy for Mike to internalize different beliefs, negative beliefs about himself as a student. And um, yeah, when that when that doesn't happen and when he adopted uh, positive beliefs that serve his success. Oh my goodness, the, the sky's the limit. Um, awesome. Well, I, I'm sure we probably all have a lot more stories of the MIA student, and um, we talk in some of our coach meetings and trainings about kind of assuming the best, you know, not taking it personal, uh, and you know, when that student doesn't pick up the phone instead of having a little bit of attitude the next time you leave a voice message, you assume that, you know, something bad happened, and um, you know, they'll, they'll pick up when the time is right, and that that tone is so powerful. So I, I think there was something in your your multiple uh, outreach um, attempts that you know let him know you were a safe person to engage with, and when the time was right, there he was, and and you were able to deliver. So thank you for that. I'm gonna pivot the conversation a little bit, and your your story, Dan, is really uh, very high touch. Once he engaged very high touch, lots of conversations, once a week, pretty intensive coaching, kind of doing a little catch up. And I wanna talk about more examples where you know, we're doing that with a lot of students and we're trying to do it more at scale. And we're trying to identify students like Mike before you know, they're in that danger zone of you know, now it's January, February and he's not turning in FAFSA and you know, then it can be even harder to pull him back out. So, um, and but before we do that, I wanna, clarify one thing. I think um, one of our student stories, maybe it was Jesse, you mentioned going back and listening to a previous call. And Dan, you said you were able to look up your student. So we have um, a couple of systems here that we use and that we help institutions adopt. One is UCoach, which is the student um, multi-channel student engagement platform where Dan's able to look at those notes and see you know, how is that student doing even if he's no longer active on his roster. Um, so we always get that kind of long-term outcome in mind um, and accountability. And we also record all of our coaching interactions. So if it's over the phone, via text, there's always a transcript of anything that's text-based. So Jesse was able to do that for professional development, to jog her memory, to really understand what she could have done differently or what worked well. And um, so those are some of the professional development and analytics tools that we're using here, which I think is useful background before we jump into some of our next student stories. So let's let's hear from um, Micah. Actually, you, you, you mentioned you're our technology coaching guru around here. Um, do you have a story for us about helping a student transition? I do. So uh, I want to talk about Sarah today, not her real name, uh, but she uh, is a student at a large state university. And Sarah um, I, I didn't, you know, in my very first conversation with her, which was over the phone, uh, I realized pretty quickly that something was really bothering her and she wasn't sure about this whole college thing. And it just, it was like, you know, a Russian doll. You know, there was this big thing that she threw out there and then it just kept like coming off and there's another thing underneath and another thing underneath. And so uh, I had, I mean, in her case, the institution was really great and actually let us work with their students um, a, a full month before classes started. Uh, we don't always have that opportunity. And so I got to the student before classes ever started. And so I was able to work through all these issues that felt so big at the time. Um, and she was a first generation student. And so these were things that she didn't feel comfortable bringing to her parents. Um, and she had actually tried to bring a couple of, of those things to her parents and uh, they just weren't able uh, to, you know, they didn't have the context, they didn't have uh, the knowledge to, to help her work through those things. And so we got those things sorted out, um, actually, you know, within a half hour. But what was so important about having that opportunity um, 
to, to work through those things was that trust that we built paid off in a really big way once the semester got started. And uh, we're about, uh, about a month into the semester and I got a text uh, in response to uh, you know a check-in that I'd, I'd sent out to a bunch of my students, and it it just set off some alarm bells. Um, I've gotten uh, to the point where I mean, just certain words stick out, and um, also length of message, that kind of thing. Um, and so I just started pressing in and and digging into what was going on, and all of a sudden it just it just blew up and it blew up in a way that i am not only i don't think it wouldn't it would have happened if i hadn't been developing trust with her before this but i also think just with my previous experience with text i think text allows for interactions like this where especially when students are dealing with things that are emotionally draining to talk about um there's something removed in a text exchange where students are able to get into things that are honestly hard to say out loud, hard to admit, hard um, also maybe even just uh, due to the environment that they're in uh, to say aloud, uh, you know, whether they're, you know, they may be in class, they may be in the hallway passing their classmates, and they're still able to have this deep conversation with us all the while about what's really happening. Um, and she, I mean, it really did feel like the end of the world to her and, and it was, it was painful. Um, but we were able to connect her with really great resources on campus and she's doing fun, uh, at, at the end of that. And really all due to, uh, just, you know, connecting with her in the right ways, um, at really strategic times. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks, Micah. Um, so, you know, there, there's always so many follow-up questions that I want to ask each panelist. So, I, but I want to make sure we get to time for open Q&A. So I'm going to jump into Haley for another student story and example. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk through, I think we've, we've talked a lot about um, primarily traditional students, but we'll cover some other uh, student populations and, and um, you know, issues that I, I know are of interest to our audience. So this is a heads up to our panel and Haley. Yes. Yeah, I, what kind of transition examples do you have for us? Yeah, and I actually t tap into that a little bit. Um, I have worked and I'm currently working with a population of students that are, are probably what you would consider traditional in age, but are what I like to call non-traditional traditional students. And so mm -hmm. many of them are first generation and attending community college and attending programs that are either certificate or associate in length, some with the intention of moving on to a more traditional four-year degree, but also a lot coming in either not knowing what they want to do or with the understanding that they, like stopping at a certificate or an associate's is their educational goal and career goal. And so I think um, my story, I actually have two stories, but one leads into the other. Um, one of the things that I think, um, we really value in our work and that I like to pull out is that there are so many great resources that a lot of schools are offering students, but a lot of um, great resources rely on a couple of underlying assumptions. Um, and so one of the things we have the opportunity to do is get past those assumptions with our students. And so I think a really short, quick example that's probably not a surprise to very many of you is a student I'm currently working with who just started um, a, a preparatory program to get into a college, um, a, a community college program. And she is interested in healthcare. <laughs> she doesn't know what she wants to do, but she's very interested in healthcare. And so this is going to help her get into a program that will allow her a shorter term degree or certificate. And they haven't got her to narrow down which specific one she's interested in yet. So I was having my initial conversation with her and asking her, um, and her words to me were, oh, well, I really want to be a doctor. And I just talked to my uncle this morning and he told me doctors have to go to school for 12 years. <laughs> and, and she lives in a rural part of the um, Pacific Northwest. And she was like, and there's not a school like that in my hometown. And her hometown is literally, I think, 4,000 people. So it's one of those things where 
where in order for us to even get to the point of what do you want to do with your degree, you have to really understand that that's a place a young or any really student who hasn't been exposed to it is coming from. And so I thought that was kind of a neat idea of how using some additional coaching time, we were able to identify that she doesn't even know the difference at this point between an associate's or a doctorate. And so in order for her to make a plan and pursue a plan for education and career, she really needs to start at that bottom. So that's her and I's plan now is to take our next and research what those words mean and identify. Um, and then the second half of that story is really a separate student that I've been working with for over two years now. And he's a student that started in a similar place as, to, as far as a first generation student who doesn't have um, family members who've directly pursued education but he's a real go-getter. So everybody assumes that this kid is using every resource. And up until um, actually his first day on campus, he had been. He had been really forward thinking and had registered first, applied first, gotten great high grades in all of his dual credit classes. And so in this situation, the assumption flipped the other way of, he's great, he's using resources, his transition's gonna be really smooth. And this particular student killed everything and then almost quit his first week because he his teacher changed the textbook. And when he went into class, the teacher yelled at anybody who didn't um, who hadn't read his first weeks of class. And this is a kid that does everything right. So it was like this soul crushing feeling for him of like, oh, my gosh, I'm not ready for this. Um, and he got really angry at me at first, truthfully. Um, and so we had a good conversation about understanding the, the what you don't know to ask but why it's important to continue using resources. So I think it's just a really great look at how, um, how there's so many good resources out there and there's so many good insights about what students need, but you have to take that additional step to help the student know how for their specific case that they need to know how to use that resource or how to reach out um, and how to use some of their, their soft skills to use what's actually really um, helpful. And I also think it illustrates kind of an interesting perspective of a lot of the a lot of the quick go-to data that we can go to as far as grades or when they turned in their application are mostly accurate indicators, but it sometimes takes that extra step to know that there are other little things in the gap um, that we can help identify for students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think all of all of you have mentioned something that that signaled that you know the student needed help. But then there was also kind of an instinct or, you know, from all of the experience and training that you have that filled in some gaps to tell you what, what was the right thing to do. So it's kind of that combination of the human uh, insight with the technology and the data. Um, and, and a lot of these interactions, again, they're very, they're very high touch. I think a, a lot of advisors in particular struggle through the first month or so of classes and any time there's a registration, there are these bottlenecks where they're kind of having to just triage a lot of students and they don't have the luxury of time to earn trust and build those relationships because the students come to them in crisis. I, I, I've seen that a lot and I used to work at a state university um, and so I, I understand that um, pressure. Now, but let's be real, are, are we coaching like really tiny groups of students where you can just spend all the time in the world with them or what are some of the tools that you use to be able to um, kind of operate within the, the real world but still having those high touch interactions. That, that's kind of an open question to, to everyone. <laughs> if Michael wants to kick us off or Haley. Um. So I will say um, the platform that we have available to us does let us uh, prioritize students for different reasons uh, and really filter our lists according to uh, a number of different criteria. Uh, we're running that against, of course, uh, what we know is happening in any given semester and uh, are really able to prioritize from there uh, what students need to reach out. And honestly, having the ability to um, email and text as well as call students uh, is, is, a, is a boon uh, because we can not only mix up how we're reaching out to students, how they're hearing from us, uh, but we're able to do it at scale, uh, if we had to um, call through uh, every student that we that we had, uh, you know, the the week of a major exam that we knew was coming up, uh, you know, and, and weren't able to prioritize well, or um, you know, re, you know we, we would just not have the kinds of interactions that we need to be having with the right students. Thanks, Micah. Um, 
and we we can move on from there. I just wanted to make sure we kind of address that for audiences. It's, it's just a real um, concern and challenge and something that we've spent a lot of time helping institutions kind of grapple with. Um, so I want to recognize that reality and, and share some of the, the insights that we've seen. So let's, let's go a step farther. Um, Haley was talking about how, you know, there's this, the lines are blurred. Traditional students have more of the same kinds of issues that post-traditional students have, and there's, there's no one pathway, um, and we can't put students into these neat and tidy buckets. So but, but let's talk more about adult students in particular, um, which we know now represent really the, the normal college student today and are incredibly important to you know, our um, you know, society's goals and, and workforce readiness in the 21st century. So let's, let's talk about some of the special considerations and tailoring student support for adults um, and helping them transition. Uh, Justin, you want to take us off? Yeah, I, I'm going to try not to speak too quickly because I'm really excited about what's happening <laughs> this week. I mean, because this just happened last night at 5.30 p.m. was when I oh, had yeah. a coaching conversation. And I'm actually, since I'm on my computer here, clearly, uh, so I, got, I, I had emailed a student I had only had one conversation with. He's a brand new student at a really large online institution. He's 37. Uh, he's a dad uh, to a, uh, has a son who's autistic um, and has recently changed custody to have more custody. So that's kind of the context to the student. But what's funny is that in our first meeting and in looking at the notes that I had received from the school, who have been wonderful to work with, um, they had really high remarks for kind of their judgment on um, on kind of any any things he was coming in with or red flags. Like he had done all the paperwork. He was. Kind of to, to Haley's point, like he had done all the things right, so he didn't seem like a big risk in that way. So uh, just a couple days ago, I sent him an email just with something um, kind of just t t touching base basically after our first meeting. And he wrote back, I pulled it up, Jesse, that is so thoughtful. I really appreciate it. I had been meaning to email you anyway because I need to withdraw from my classes. Rob. <laughs> That's his name for this conversation today. And so, okay, so here we go, you know, crack your knuckles. It's, we, he's, you know, alluding to him wanting to, to drop out of, of school. So uh, I got him on the phone uh, yesterday and we it, had emailed a little bit as well. Um, but as, as we talked, um, he, you know, actually I want to pull up some of these notes too, just because it was so powerful. Um, he was so down on himself. I mean, at the very start of the conversation, he just sounded like he had been sucker punched and he had recently had had surgery. It was taking a little bit longer to heal. So that was kind of a con contextual thing as well. But at one point, and I wrote this in the notes, he said the phrase, um, he said, he said, maybe I'm just at the height of my career and I can't move up. I was like, oh my gosh. And I even told him, I said, look, Rob, outside of me, I'm going to take my coaching hat off here. For me as a person, my chest physically felt tight when you said that. And, and, and you're right, that was depressing because he had mentioned that earlier in the conversation. So, um, so here we are with this 37-year-old student. He keeps calling himself old, even though that's pretty much the median age coming back to this online university. And even though his grades were okay, he had this really big setback with the surgery and felt, um, felt embarrassed to ask for an extension again. And just kind of had now, he stopped doing his classwork for a whole week. And, and these are fast sessions. And he'd kind of resolved himself to not be able to move up or, or do anything of significance kind of with his life or with this, with this, um, this job. And that was very sad. And so, so I use this, this framework um, that uh, we use in situations that are more intense or where there's, you know, the context of a student really wanting to drop out. Um, and a lot of the beginning part of the conversation was just confirming and assessing what, you know, what was going on and how this matched with his longer term. And I asked, you know, very specific questions like, um, now I, I brought back our first conversation. Now you had told me in our first conversation, you were wanting this out of it. Is that still true? And, and he said, well, I, yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, this week. And I said, okay. And I, I also use just in some sort of way, a little bit of consultative sales in the sense that like gathering, the, you know, the things that were important to him as well. And, 
and he confirmed that and I kind of repeated he he was clearly a thoughtful individual and he was like he wasn't making this decision lightly so I made him know that I respected how much thought he had already put into this so I would use the language of like okay well as we got closer to the middle part and end of the conversation you know what's the compromise here is there a such thing and on his own he got to this place of saying well I guess I wonder if I could just take one class and you know my my company pays reimburses me every year anyway for so anyway so we had this conversation he's getting to this place of you know just taking the one class um, on top of again his custody responsibilities is 50 hours of work a week um, in a sales position um, but more than anything what we spent the most time on is is his fundamental belief in himself and his ability to do school um, and to that I was able to speak to that a little bit and talk about my experience with coaching students and how I see very specific attributes um, that are needed to do well and that he did ultimately have those and my thought and I asked him again like the later on in the conversation I said all right well I know this is I'll just throw it out there let's say, say you had a magic wand I mean if you felt like you could be more efficient in your work now would you want to be would you want to continue with school and he said yes and so to that it's like I, I was building um, confidence and and also trust and also just kind of laying the groundwork for this idea that he did still very much want to do school. He felt overwhelmed, he felt embarrassed, and he wasn't actually ready to throw in the towel in that way. Um, so we got to this place toward the end where the entire tone of the conversation shifted completely. And I, I pointed that out. I said, Rob, I said, Rob, you know, I don't know about you, but on my end, I feel like a weight's off my shoulders. You sound like a different person, like from the guy who was just, thrown in the towel on life a second ago like and so we we kind of brought in some humor and levity into it as well and he is committed and i know it sounds crazy like this could happen in one conversation and i will follow up with him tomorrow but he's committed the first thing he did after the conversation was he emailed his professors to get an extension based on his medical need um he was going to start typing slowly um because of carpal tunnel of course um and he was going to start on his work and and make sure that even if he couldn't make up the work could still potentially pass the classes and he's still committed to at least one class next session so it was that example of he's a non-traditional student it it, it kind of created more obstacles for him in some way and his but he thought he just didn't have it in him anymore and he said as much um, but and having this interjection uh, and just having a sounding board and he even said at the end like god this was I just don't have anyone to talk to about this and this was really important for me to to kind of realize what I wanted and because of that I don't think it's just me I think it's this idea and this model we use and and the strategy we try to implement to to showcase options and to showcase what people are actually capable of so I really believe that he will continue on um, and then next conversation we'll just work on cementing that and maybe like really drilling in I'm thinking about having a conversation around motivation specifically and then effectiveness and um, how efficient he is with the systems. Wow, Jesse, thank you. I love getting coaching stories hot off the presses. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's one of my um, favorite things being in the office. I'll often overhear a little tidbit of an amazing, inspiring student story and um, ask for the rest. And that's, that's really exciting. And, and then we'll start cheering for, for the student and asking for updates. So, um, any, I'm, I'm going to open it up to the rest of our panel, any other kind of general insights or observations on some of the, the needs and how to tailor for adult students? Um, some, some are going to be, you know, uh, well into their career, maybe even executive level, some may be first generation, some may have had a, a bad experience in um, education before, and now they're coming back after being away for a while, so it really um, a lot of different types of scenarios that we encounter with adult students. Yeah, this is Haley. I'll add, I think, um, in terms of kind of my coaching style, I do think I really shift based on the out, outcome and the goal that the student is desiring. And so I do think a lot of times with older students or just non-traditional students, there is a, a focus on um, the outcome that they desire may not to be to talk about every class, but where it's going to get them. And so I definitely do what would be considered more career coaching with a lot of those students in order to drive the motivation for the educational pathway. We talk about where they're going with that, how that impacts their resume. And um, in our meetings, whether that's through text messaging or email, what 
employability skills they're showing that are going to get them there. So I think that's one of the big differences I notice is that in some interactions with students, it's a lot about the academic motivation in itself to succeed academically. And in some, it's much more of a hybrid of how does whatever piece of education or training or certification fit into their, their life goal, um, their ability to get hired, promoted. And I know Jesse touched on that a little bit, right? There, where they want to get in their life. And so I think that's one of the um, nuances I see between students. And then, as I mentioned, my work heavily with community college students is that um, a lot of students who come in for an associate's or a certificate are really focused on that career goal, are really focused on that. I want to be able to show what I can do. And so tailoring it to that desire and not, not, um, not making them feel like the academic is the end all if that doesn't matter to them as an individual. Yeah, there, there are a lot of different definitions of success. And, um, you know, it's important to recognize the diversity of those definitions for all of the students. So um, one, one more uh, special population I want to draw attention to. And Mike, I know you've coached some military students. We actually have a, a handful of coaches here dedicated to coaching military students specifically because it's such a, an important population. Um, you want to chime in about how their experience and some of the challenges that might come up are, are unique and how we tailor for that? Yeah, absolutely. Something I'll say just quickly about that population is I've learned not to make assumptions about um, really how confident they're feeling. Uh, I think that they they take on, I mean, these are often men and women who um, just in, in the general life uh, tend to be uh, very responsible, tend to be, you know, effective, uh, and yet when they get to school, um, they frequently feel like fish out of water. Uh, they're surrounded by um, students, young and old, that, um, you know, feel really other in, in some cases. And so um, I try, I've I, I really do my best in, especially in my early conversations with, with these students, not to project the sense that they should have it figured out, that they should already be there, because uh, they're somehow, you know, they're bringing that baggage with them already uh, in many cases. And so, um, you know, what, uh, you know, actually a couple of coaches have already spoken to, um, one of the great things about coaching uh, for, for students like this is just providing them a safe space in which they don't have to have it together um, and in which they can talk through what doesn't feel natural and what's falling apart and where they want to improve. It might be the only place in their life where um, they can talk about that stuff and not feel judged and, uh, and feel safe in, in bringing those things out. Awesome, thanks. And, and I will uh, just let our audience know that we have a ton of content on some of these topics on our website on military students, on adult students, on traditional students, underrepresented students, you name it. So if you go to our website and just kind of explore around, search by different keywords, and you can find some additional examples of um, some of the, the topics that we're, we're just able to kind of scratch the surface on today. And in, in fact, with military students in particular, um, you know, we've, we were just involved in a, a webinar talking on career development tailored for military students. And one of the things we've also noticed is that, you know, erring on the side of being more direct, understanding the culture that they're coming from um, in the military and helping them translate those skills. Um, and like Haley was saying, connecting everything they're doing in coaching or in the classroom to what their goal is. And pretty much that's going to be in the workforce in some capacity and in a career, um, but recognizing the, the nuance and how a student would define success. The theme that keeps coming up in all of these examples is belonging, <laughs> mindset. I know some of these are buzzwords in education right now. We've certainly talked about grit, non-cognitive traits. Um, we, we've done a lot of research here at InsightTrack to look at all the, the best in behavioral science. Um, in fact, if any of our audience uh, know the name Ben Castleman, he was here recently to do a special in-service for us, so we're incorporating some of this research and best practices into our actual coaching methodology. Um, so uh, Dan, I know you, you and I were both really excited when Ben was here, <laughs> um, and we just took away some really great insights that we could incorporate. Do you want to talk more about the, the role of um, belonging in coaching and student support? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, especially with the traditional age students that I'm working with right now, 
um, that's a big piece of the puzzle for them is feeling like they have some sense of belonging, whether it's with you know, a group of people on campus, whether it's with a club or an organization, it can be a really moving target. But I think that, that generally speaking, feeling like they belong to something is an important piece of the puzzle. Um, and I think from a, from a student perspective, it's really about unraveling what that means for them. Because I think each student might have a different definition of what belonging or a feeling like they're part of the community. They might have a, di a very different definition than the student, you know, a couple of you know, a couple of feet away. So, um, finding out what that student needs, how they define community, how they, um, you know, are looking for something to connect with on campus, and trying to get them connected to that in some way. Um, and that kind of goes, you know, Kat was mentioning Ben Castleman and the nudging, and I think that's where that can really come in for a lot of these students. I think one thing that's really helped um, in terms of making that connection is being in tune with what's happening on campus and being able to, you know, nudge students in those directions. If students have expressed an interest in, you know, joining clubs or organizations, having an awareness around when those kinds of events are happening and when those meetings are taking place and being able to nudge students towards being a part of that. Um, and I think also um, going beyond just joining clubs and organizations, it also comes down to how they interact with their professors, how they interact with, you know, tutoring resources on campus, um, how they interact with their fellow students and make friendships, and even professionally. You know, st some students are talking about, even freshman year, you know, wanting to get started with some networking and how to feel a sense of belonging with that. So I think from a a student perspective, it's really about like, defining their sense of community and then trying to connect to that on campus. From a retention perspective, it's about how that student can see either the school or resources and people within that school as kind of an anchoring force that can, they believe that this school and this group of people is what can get them where they want to go. Um, so I think using some of those resources, some of those tools uh, can really help connect students to that. Awesome, thanks, Dan. Um, Haley, I know, I know you and I have talked a lot about this and um, how to incorporate or, or cultivate growth mindset for students, um, any of the other behavioral science that, that we've been seeing. Do you want to chime in and add to what Dan was sharing? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of, a lot of this just kind of taps into how we use, um, I think, some of the maybe more obvious indicators, and this speaks a little bit to a question that I saw come through as well about risk factors, is that there's a lot of risk factors that will be identified to us perhaps by a partner or an institution, such as a grade or a lack of attendance or engagement in some form. Um, and then we kind of mix that with what we pick up from a student through our, our knowledge and our work with students on uh, their KSABs or their growth mindset. So those things like what is a student's attitude towards school or like we were just talking about their belief in themselves. And so a lot of times those two things are connected and a lot of times they are not um, obvious. And so <laughs> that connection is there whether it's obvious or not. And so a lot of what we do is take those, those more obvious um, indicators and then we meld them with some of the less out there or less obvious indicators and those are the risk factors that are not easy to identify so it's not easy to say oh here's our bucket of students that have low belief right because most students either don't know it or wouldn't check a box that says I have low belief in myself and so that comes through um, Micah earlier mentioned something about how you can tell from a text message a lot once you practice that and work with students regularly and so taking those cues um, from a student, the way they answer, how long they take to answer, if they use um or dot, dot, dot in their text message or some of those gap words that you're used to hearing in conversation. Um, a, a lot of that can be picked up. Um, and the only way to really, I think, move a student and work with a student is to, is to use both of those and get to the core. So if you're talking to a student who has low belief um, about their low grade and all you're doing is telling them about tutoring resources, you're not going to actually necessarily help that student move forward as much as if you can provide those resources but then also address how does this student actually get the courage to approach that tutor or how do they actually get the um, support of their peers to make that okay to approach that tutor. Um, so I think for me, a lot of that, a lot of that like working and not being afraid to approach a student about some of those growth mindset, 
uh, growth mindset, ah, growth mindset type topics um, is really a blend, and then we can actually intervene and work with a student in a way that's going to be most productive. So Haley, <laughs> I, I wanted to jump in a, a, a little while back, but I didn't want to uh, interrupt your story. You mentioned KSAD, if I'm sure half of our audience is wondering, what the heck is that? Um, you want to explain real quickly that acronym? Yes, thank you. I actually thought about that when I said it, but then got excited and kept talking. So <laughs> that is the acronym that we use um, for knowledge, skills, attitudes, and beliefs. And so a lot of times when we're working with a student, uh, we will bring up that entire acronym for the student and explain it, not just use it, <laughs> um, but also help them recognize the difference between the, the different things that they're bringing into their student or career seeking experience. So do you have the knowledge? Do you have the skills? Let's do an attitude check, and then do you believe in your ability to accomplish this? So we actually do use those um, as a way to approach students and to help students identify their own risk factors, I think, too, because you might have a student, again, who on paper looks like they got all the skills in the world, but their attitude or their belief is not there. And so it's a framework we use for sure. Thank you. And we, we have a, a graphic for that, but I, I'm not going to pull it up just because it's too, too much content to absorb in such a short period of time, and I, I don't want to... Uh, confuse our audience, but we do again have more of that content. We're happy to share with you if you want to chat us or follow up afterwards and Brian and I can follow up and, and send you more details, more graphics, more content on our blog or connect you directly to any of our panelists if you just want to keep picking their brains. It's such a valuable opportunity and we really want to make them accessible to you. So I'm going to transition. There are a few questions that have been coming in. I wanted to save some time for the for open Q&A at the end, but also cover some of the, the big categories that we knew coming into this, our audience would be really interested in. One um, question Haley already kind of touched on was the risk factors, and, and there was kind of a follow-up question about, you know, how are those determined, and how is student um, outreach prioritized? Is it inside track? Is it the coach? Is it, you know, um, the institution? And it, it really is a combination, and it's going to vary by institution, um, and by the, the objectives and how a program is configured. Um, but, you know, if, if maybe one of you could just do like a, a really quick snapshot of what you see when you come to your desk and how you how do you know who you're going to call that day? Um, just, just real quick. And then I think we've got time for one other question after that before we conclude. Not all at once. <laughs> Micah, you're our you're our tech guru. So so when you open your roster in the morning, who who's telling you who to call? Uh, I mean, ultimately, uh, I am prioritizing based on a lot of different factors. Um, the school, ultimately, um, and and again, this depends on the institution. Um, but the current school that I'm in, uh, they really trust us to. Um, use our, our intuition, use the research that we've done. Um, for one thing, I mean, our, our research has shown maybe a little counterintuitively that uh, the students who uh, are um, struggling with academics may not be the ones who are at greatest risk. Uh, and that actually, um, in some institutions, that looks like, you know, that sense of belonging is actually missing and that is the biggest threat at my institution it's actually um, lack of uh, knowledge about financial aid and how that works because many of my students are first generation uh, and so based off of different factors uh, that come up in early meetings I'm tagging students and uh, essentially uh, putting them, giving them a date when I'm going to be reaching out to them next, just based on where their priority is. So I, I pull up my, my tab in the morning and I can see how many students I've got and, and I base it off of that. Fantastic. I would say too, as a follow-up, just um, in, in that prioritization and in making some notes on, you know, what are the red flags we're seeing um, within any given student. I also, just as a workflow thing, I always make a point to send, with our system, we can actually send a text to send out in the future. So after every first conversation I have with a student, based on what they say, and especially if they're, in my mind, a high priority or high risk, I'll, I'll have a future text send out to the next week um, that sends it for me, 9 a.m. or whatever time I want, and say, hey, wanted to touch base on that one thing you were telling me about, how's it going? And typically, I mean, yeah, 
the rate of them writing back is like 97%. It's something wow. crazy because they, it's a specific. Thank you, Jesse. We're, we're out of time. So I yeah. want to make sure we have a second to, to wrap up and let our audience know what they can expect. There were, there were questions we didn't get to. I'm so sorry. We, we, these hours go so quickly. As I mentioned, um, Ryan and I can follow up and we can share additional content and um, even respond directly to some of your individual questions. One was coach matching. Um, so we're, you know, how are students and coached pair, coaches paired up? And uh, we've done a lot of research. We've done a lot of regression analyses at different institutions and in aggregate. And um, we found that for the most part, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the coach training and skills um, and professional development, but we do do some matching, like I've mentioned before, with military students. We, we make sure that the coaches are really well prepared to understand that culture. Um, so th those are just a few examples of things we can follow up on uh, offline. This webinar is being recorded, and we will follow up with a link that you can view on demand. And Ryan, do you know how long that link will be available? So if you, if you have colleagues that want to see this or you want to revisit something, it's for a limited time, correct? Yes, so we should have it up and ready for everybody. We'll email that link out tomorrow and then it'll be up on the website by tomorrow. Fantastic. And another thing that I think will address some of these additional questions, if you want to hang on the line for one more minute, is we have a, a pre-recorded webinar on demand that covers the idea of adaptive and multi-channel student support, which covers some of the, um, you know, the, the risk algorithms and things like that that help us prioritize students for outreach, trigger-based outreach. We have all sorts of different outreach protocols that we will help institutions implement. And then as we get data, we see how students engage, what behavior indicates um, later success or trouble, and we refine that algorithm for each institution or, or help them do that themselves. So I think that's a, a big category that we could do a whole other hour on. I would love to do that. But thank you so much for joining us and going over a minute. Thank you to our wonderful panelists and to our audience for your excellent engagement. We'll see you next time.